This is Kelly Bill Shipwell speaking to you. I'm giving the Canada podcast for this week two wet kisses and a shake in the rear end as a review. So listen up and listen well. Welcome to another episode of Can Dare, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. And sitting in for Jack, who's on vacation for the next two weeks, returning to the show. This is your uh, third episode now? This will be number three. Mr. Kyle Pryor, thanks for being back with us. No problem. And he's going to be back next week, too, so uh, very excited to have you along. And then joining us this week to talk about some of his projects. I cannot wait to talk about these books. Yeah. They, uh, Boy, they take a turn from what you're expecting. <laughs> they right? speak to something deep inside me that I rarely get to talk about. They so do, and I love them. I love them. Uh, Landis Blair, thanks so much for being with us, Landis. Oh, thanks for having me. In this week's Retro Roundtable, we're going to be continuing uh, talking about summer with implements of summer fun. And this can uh, really cover about anything. Anything that helps you enjoy your summer. So it doesn't have to be like a... A poolside toy or something. It can be an amusement park, a concert, whatever it may be. I'm excited for this. Oh, yeah. And then uh, we have the comic vault. What do you got there, Jake, to talk about? I'm looking at uh, DC Universe Rebirth Hellblazer. I've heard nothing but good come from Rebirth, so this ought to be a good uh, good read right here. It was, uh, well, I'll explain later. <laughs> Not the case. <laughs> no, it okay. was good. It's my fault. I'm going to be talking about um, a comic from the mid-90s uh, based around the Jim Carrey movie The Mask. <laughs> and when I say that, everyone gets a lighthearted smile to their face, but... Uh, It's not what you expect, so it'll be fun to talk about that. And those are just a few of the books we'll be discussing. Then we're going to turn our full attention over to Landis and talk about uh, some of these books. Again, cannot wait. (laughs) Awesome. But before we get started on all that, uh, don't forget to check us out on all our social media, social networking outlets. Twitter, at CannedAirPod. Instagram, at Canned underscore Air. And, of course, CannedAirPodcast.com. And let's not forget our fantastic line of premium quality merch. At Society6 slash Candare Podcast. There's some good stuff up there. Got some magical treats for you, our loyal listeners. Our airheads, if you will. Oh, how about that? And you will. Airheads in the Candare Nation. It's the Uh, best acronym in the world because it's Can. (laughs) And the YouTube page. Check out the YouTube. Well, there's not a lot happening there right now. We have a few new things up. Make a mental note to check out the YouTube page once it's We keep teasing at the YouTube page. (laughs) And, um... Yeah, we haven't really put a lot up, but it's coming, people. Some good stuff. You can just feel people chomping on their fingernails in excitement. <laughs> can yeah, hear right. it from here. <laughs> I know I am. All right. Well, before we get started, before we actually dive into the uh, retro roundtable, uh, one thing we have to make note of quick is uh, the world having lost Chris Cornell, the lead singer of Soundgarden. It was really tough to hear. What a staple of the 90s. Oh, sure. It, uh, busting out of the Seattle scene, I believe, yeah, right? really encapsulated that sound, too. Oh, uh, yeah. I can't claim to be the biggest Soundgarden fan, but it's one of those bands that's consistently talented, you know, at least doing something right. musically. And they have so much material that mm-hmm. y- you can't help but respect it. And there's some real... Really solid stuff in there. Yeah, very melodic stuff that yeah. uh, has just a style you can only get from Soundgarden. Right. Um, of course, Black Hole Sun, everyone knows that one, but what else do we got? Uh, Preaching the End of the World, it was on one of his solo albums. Spoon Man Comes to Mind is something I find okay. myself singing at least once a day. Yeah, there's some good ones in there. But, Spoon um, Man. 
just so unfortunate. Just so crazy how it happened. Yeah. Didn't expect it. So, um... It just goes to show whatever your situation is, you know, if, if you need help, you should find it. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Chris, thank you so much for all the music you leave behind, and uh, may you rest in peace, sir. And with that, let's get right into this week's Retro Roundtable. Do it! Do it! Come on! I'm here! Come on! Do it now! Oh my god! It's so pretty! All right, Retro Roundtable, summer fun, implements of summer fun. Uh, where to begin? Did any of you guys have anything that comes to mind, or you want me to kick it it's, off? It's one of, one of the things that came immediately to mind, and then when you were mentioning this at the top of the episode, mm-hmm. it does not have to be pool-related, and I thought to myself, oh... <laughs> <laughs> because, like, everything I had prepared was essentially pool-related. No. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's, like, oh, sure. centralized around that. Yeah, but yeah. the more I thought about it, like, it can just be anything. Yeah, and, and I know what a horrifically basic answer this is, but those little foam pool noodles. Oh, oh yeah. those what? things are fun. Because they were whatever you wanted them to be, right? Yeah. A sword, a baseball bat, an axe... <laughs> Really, they were always a weapon. Other but. various weapons of destruction. Yeah, I mean, you never, you know. <laughs> I used made to friends use them, them like I'm of the right weight where I can like make a U out of it and yeah, send it yeah, and yeah. just like float in the water like in, in a chair. It's nice to get that armchair configuration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So either you guys ever use them as like um, we'd use it as like a water gun where like if you're oh, in the yeah, pool, you, just you put a little bit of water end. in it, blow no. on one end, and it shoots yeah. out the other. It took a lot of force, children. too. You need to have some serious lung capacity. Yeah, so you'd have to, yeah. like, break the surface tension on the other end. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we had a reason. We had a, my brother and I had a little sister. So you got to mess with the little sister. Oh, you sure. just shoot water at her face. Yeah. Oh, I know all about that. I, I tormented my sister. But she tormented me, too. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's <laughs> so, a way street. Everyone's to blame. Bent around. They would build up so much momentum. Yeah. When you got hit with one of those things, you remembered it for a while. Oh, yeah. And make that great sound when you slap the surface of the water. It's like being uh, beat with, like, a wet cane, like yeah, a sugar cane. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, no, the fun is over now. Splitting your skin. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> what about you, Lannis? Uh, you know, specifically about the noodles, I, I, I mean, the, the memory I have about noodles is just how I remember seeing one once when they, probably when they were invented, and then it seemed like, a month later, they were everywhere, and you couldn't not see them. And yeah, they haven't gone away since. So. I remember that. I'm guessing you and I are probably in the same age range, approximately. Do you mind probably. me asking how old you are? Uh, I am 33. Oh, we're close. I'm 35. Oh, okay. okay. It's taken me this long to know what your age is. Yeah, I've never serious? asked. Yeah, I know. And yeah. like, I, I thought it'd be rude to ask. I'm not good at deducing that you kind of thing. Be, so was it rude context. of me to ask Landis? Well, Landis, no, because I mean, I worked. I worked with you. So that's yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. know. I was just like, should I ask Jeremy how old he is? How old did you think I was? I, I was thinking mid-30s, but like I didn't want to be I was thinking like early 30s. Early 30s? Yeah, okay. like 30, 32. No 25s in there? I'm going to be honest, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm 20. I thought you were so. 50. You want me to lie to your face? <laughs> like my boy Jeremy. He's got a foot in the grave. <laughs> Best years might just be behind him. Oh, that very well may be, Jake. That very well oh, may be. Uh, what were we even talking Oh, yeah, pool noodles. Pool I don't noodles. think they manufactured more pool noodles after the first year they started. I think they just started, like, <laughs> reproducing asexually. They just bud off each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they just, they just, they're indestructible. And so oh, they, that too. <laughs> yeah. I've always they wanted to, like, 
I've always wanted to have like a plethora of them and then be able to like glue them together and make bigger things Ooh, out of them, yeah. like rafts. Or <laughs> you know what? I, I think at one point they sold some kind of little plastic thing that would fit into the ends of the noodle and you could like string them together. Oh, to really? Like, Big noodle creations. That, or maybe I'm like, I've got Cartman brain, and I'm remembering how it should have been, not how it was. I do that too, <laughs> or remember how I would have liked it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I swear, if you leave a pool noodle in your garage for an entire year without opening the door, you'll come back next summer, and there will be three of them, <laughs> like rabbits. <laughs> how to fuck with Jake 101. All right, Landis. Other implements of summer fun. As far as me, I was thinking of like, like retro things. Maybe I misunderstood a little bit, but the, the you know, when, when I'm thinking kind of like fondest summer memories uh, through kind of like upper grade school and junior high was, uh, you, you know, hanging out with friends and making horrible movies that we thought were oh yeah know, incredible and oh yeah that absolutely uh, qualifies whatever whatever fad or whatever blockbuster movie had come out that my friends were interested in. I wasn't allowed to see them, but you know, their parents let them see them. And so <laughs> then that would be for the next month, you know, we'd be making movies, <laughs> variations on that. And I had no clue what the plot was, but it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> that does sound fun. And there's nothing better than that time when like you're young and a little stupid and you're just making movies with your buddies. Cause like everything you make yeah. just rules. You don't yeah. scrutinize yeah. it. Yeah. And each thing is better than the yeah, last. Yeah, you're like, too. guys, we really outdid ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I think Steven Spielberg's going to have a run for his money. With this. <laughs> we got a future. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we even we were try, uh, we had plans. We never fully implemented implemented it, but we were going to have our own award ceremony, like for all of our films, <laughs> and then give each other awards. Oh, that's fantastic! Photography, oh, wow. etc. But uh, did these? Uh, uh, our friends and they were going to see us get all these awards, but we—it was a good thing we never actually did this. <laughs> Do these tapes still survive to this day? Uh, there, I have one VHS tape that has one video, but I wasn't the one who had the camera, and so I—they—they uh. they might exist. I—I I would be surprised if they were all gone, but I also would be surprised if more than a third of them still survived. But mm. I hate that feeling. But, yeah, yeah. Did, did did you all three of you make movies too? I mean, do you still have copies of the? It's funny. So many things you said. It sounds like you're describing my life. <laughs> and so far since we've had you on here, one with a protective mother. It sounds like, yeah. and uh, having only maybe like one surviving VHS of uh, the whole movies you used to make. But yeah, between the video camera I had and the one my buddy had, we made a ton of them, and uh, the yeah. best ones are gone. Somewhere mm. in a box in Austin, Texas, I have some footage right. of a sitcom that me and a buddy of mine were working on called Cheap Living. And the concept was it was like three broke <laughs> friends who, like, one of their uncles died and in their will left them a haunted apartment in Austin, Texas. An <laughs> <laughs> apartment. Yeah. And the, somehow he could leave them that. And, and the running joke was that it was bigger on the inside than the outside. Mm. We'd have shots of, like, people stepping into the shower and then walking out into the kitchen. And, like, that was, uh, that was like, the apex of humor for us, was that we could have weird cuts where people went somewhere unknowable and just... Ended up where they needed to be. Oh, those oh, were good times. 
That I would love to see. Yeah, uh, I wish I, I had it. it. <laughs> so, so was, the, was the idea of the show that there was then you know a, a sink and a refrigerator in the shower? Is that the idea? No, it's just you would enter one door and it would take you to a different part of the house, and there was no rhyme oh, or reason okay. to where you ended up. Oh, okay. So, so it wasn't just that every room was bigger than you thought. It was more you never know where you're going to end up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> How do I get out of this place? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I could be a pain in the ass. Oh, shit. It's fun. <laughs> the video that comes to mind for me, the one I wish I could see again more than anything, uh, we actually made for school, but we loved it so much that we just kept watching it. Was You remember the book The Animal Farm? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, we had the... The, the Orwell book? Yes, we had yeah, yeah. we had to uh, make a video, like a video presentation for the class, video or animal farm related, anything we wanted. So my buddy lived on a farm, and he had hogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Okay, so we we went out to uh, his to where the hogs were, and we'd like we were, it was like we were on the spot news interviewers, and we were interviewing these. The actual animals from Animal Farm. I don't remember their names, but we like asked the sow a question, and right. we'd cut and throw him some food and as he was chewing it. That's when we'd film and like then put horrible voiceover in over it. Spear a little peanut butter on their right. face. <laughs> but then we needed a horse, and he did. He didn't, they didn't have a horse farm, but we knew where one was. So we parked down the road and broke into their barn and fed the horse some hay and got a quick shot with the horse and got the hell out of there. But the best part was uh, then we had to get an interview with a cow. And we only knew where there were some cows out in the pasture out near his house. So we got on a four-wheeler and made it like they were running from the paparazzi. <laughs> we, we were chasing the cows on the four-wheeler. Like, we need to just get a quick word. Please, please stop. Oh, my God. It was so funny. Good Lord. And it's gone now. Was this high school? Uh, probably, shamefully. <laughs> it's like well past the point where you knew better. This was last week. <laughs> you know, no, this was for uh, English. Yeah. Oh, English class in high school. Yeah, I'm sorry to get so uh, long-winded about that. No, it, it just was coming back to me as we were talking about it. It's a pretty good visual. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Kyle, summer fun. Uh, the one thing I remember, I grew up in Arizona. Um so we had a pool, so that was the first thing I thought of was mm. pool noodles, but yeah. I mean, we kind of already got past that. Um, I would say exclusively to Arizona would be cactuses. I always thought were really fun, because we had a cactus you in our backyard. fun with cacti? Yeah. Uh, what I thought was specifically fun was just, like, pulling the needles out of them, and then using them for, like, everyday objects. So we had this cactus that had, like, a really flat petal on it, so we'd take all the needles off of it and use it as a frisbee. What? Yeah, it was... I hope you were thorough. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh... It's just right to someone's jugular. <laughs> yeah, it and was, that uh... was the last time we saw <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely one of those things, uh... I don't know, maybe not the smartest idea we've ever had. Froth with cacti. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely never done that in Ohio, so that I would say, yeah, that's an Arizonan. Arizonian? <laughs> there you go. It's more fun than what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say, like, we had so much fun sucking the moisture out of cactus in the summer. <laughs> I tell you what, if you were dying in the desert, you should just wrap your lips around a cactus. I'm sorry, Landis, I cut you off. Oh, I was going to ask the way you described that you had this flat cactus. It sounded like you kind of would use it as a frisbee and then you'd put it back. 
<laughs> no, we usually just threw it away. Yeah, thanks, Mr. Cactus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thanks, Mr. Cactus. Here's that back. <laughs> Anything I can do to help, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> the giving cactus. Not this time, goddammit. <laughs> I'll show those little brats. Oh, my goodness. I gotta say, the cactus is not something I expected to come up on the list today. No, that's no, uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was, oh my goodness. You brought it in 11 years ago. He really has. I appreciate Put it. his fingerprint right in this episode. I'm <laughs> glad he's here. All right, this is a weird one, but it's like inextricably linked to summer in my mind. Because mm-hmm. when I was young, I was given a Nintendo 64 as a gift after my first Holy Communion because I went to Catholic school. That didn't last long. <laughs> and one of the first games I remember buying with my own money was StarCraft 64. Oh, boy. I don't know okay. if you guys were aware. There was a yeah. Nintendo 64 port oh, yeah. of StarCraft where you could play split-screen StarCraft. Oh, jeez. Many friendships and alliances were made and broken <laughs> playing split-screen Star, And it was great because uh, the game could barely handle being StarCraft on a Nintendo 64. Right. So when you made it be StarCraft two times at once, it just freaked out on you. Like, half the time you'd lose audio because there were so many things happening at once. Like, the other person's cursor would go all sluggish while you were building your units. That was completely unfair. Almost impossible to play, and I love it. To this day, I still play. It's so funny you bring up a Nintendo 64 because one doesn't think of a video game console for summer fun. Memories like, oh, get sure your ass out of the house and do something, but <laughs> with the Nintendo 64, quite the contrary. You're right, because I've got summer kind of memories uh, playing that. Uh, I don't know. It can't, didn't it come out during the summer? And I think so. Maybe toward the right. fall, but... Um, I do remember, like in the height of it, it like gave a, like breathed new life into video games. That and PlayStation, oh, yeah. and it was so funny. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. Like, remember uh, when somebody would have like a bonfire, or a summer party? They would hand out flyers, and multiple people on these flyers would say, "Nintendo 64 include will be there with <laughs> these games. Come to the a bonfire or play Yikes. 64." You know, it was a it was a big thing. See, hot dogs, friendship, music, blah blah blah. Oh, sweet Mario Kart. And where do you think 90 percent of the people were? Playing Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) You bet your bottom dollar. What a great system. Still my favorite console of all time. It's a great one, that's for sure. Uh, Landis, what about you? You had mentioned amusement parks, and I don't necessarily... I mean, I have... Fun. I have lots of memories just, just because I grew up uh, like five miles from a Six Flags, and so that was oh, kind wow. of uh, nice. as you know, that, that was actually my first job, summer job too, was at oh, Six Flags when I was fifteen, which is a whole other story. But <laughs> the, yeah, so when we were younger, that was kind of you know summer babysitting for my mom is you know, we get season passes and she'd kind of like drop us off for, nice. for half the day or half the lunch. <laughs> you can't beat that. <laughs> um, so, so I have a lot of memories there, but at the same time, I was terrified of most of the rides. And so I, I was very proud to uh, <laughs> to have said that I, cause I, I, w- I would go with my brother and my, his friends and with my friends. And yeah, so I would wait within the line for like two hours to go on you know the roller coaster. And then I would just walk across when it was my turn. And it got, I got the biggest thrill. <laughs> like just stepping across that seat and then my friends would get on and they'd go around and they'd come out and then I'd go and wait for another couple hours. It <laughs> <laughs> would be so much fun. High octane thrills. <laughs> it's so funny yeah. I, um, that you say that. I'm not a big roller coaster person at all. Um, I get motion sickness really easy. I'm a dud. But uh, um, the band, the high school band, I was in a uh, marching band in high school. No! 
I did and, not know uh, this. We went to uh, we went to all three Disney parks. We marched in an Epcot parade. Oh. And we got to like uh, play music and sync it with uh, like a Disney movie. It was really cool. We got to lay flowers at Walt Disney's cryopod. It was incredible. <laughs> I wish that'd have been cool. So I hate roller coasters, and me and my friends all go into Islands of Adventure Universal Studios on the last day. Nice. And they all immediately want to go to the Incredible Hulk thing that, like, turns you over. and Solid choice. Well, I'm not going to get too graphic with what I was going to say then. But it fires it... fish out of a cannon right into your face. It's intense. All kinds of loops. It, like, hurls you under a bridge that pedestrians are walking under. Takes your and... wallet. I mean, I'm sure it's fine, but I'm, I'm too big a scaredy cat for it. So my friends are all rushing off to do it, and I just kind of stand there and let them run off. I'm like, well, I can't roll with them. So I found some other people. Like, I met some people just <laughs> walking there. It was a group of kids that are very much in the same situation Landis was. They were there being babysat because their parents like had a season pass, and they dropped them off. So they knew the park inside and out. You, they were there just having fun, and I, had, I got stuck in line with them and got talking to him ended up hanging out with him for the day but at the end of the day when it got to be too much i did the exact same thing that he's saying i went on a ride and i like hopped off quick as it took off and boy did i take off running luckily i never saw him again during the day oh, Lord. man that was fun i didn't know this was such a widespread tradition i didn't i didn't either but and i can think of another time i did that too to somebody I knew. Oh. Yeah. Put yeah. enough about my snake. ex-wife. Whoa. <laughs> no respect. <laughs> All right. Where are we here? I'm blabbing on today. No, that's fine. That's that's the idea, right? Yeah, I guess so. Who else has summer fun implements? I mean, that was like the other thing I thought of was just amusement parks. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, because in Arizona, we didn't really have much, at least not that I knew of. Because we never went anywhere. We had cactus. <laughs> <laughs> we had the Giving Cactus in the Grand Canyon. When times are tough, the cactus will provide. <laughs> the Giving Cactus um, in the Grand Canyon. Not a biography by Kyle Pryor. <laughs> yeah, other than that, uh, when we moved here to Ohio, we had like Kings Island and Cedar oh, Point. Yeah, that was like yeah, the yeah. first place we went. The first week we moved here, uh, our grandparents took us to Kings Island. That Kings was, Island was the shit cool when I was a kid because it was all Hanna-Barbera. And that yeah, was awesome. Yeah. That was so cool. Scooby-Doo and the Smurfs and all that stuff. Good times. But uh, anyway, uh, Blizzard Beach uh, in, in Disney. You guys ever been? Yeah. No, big water park. It's a big water park done up to look like a snow-covered ski resort. Hmm. It's pretty wow. neat. That's pretty radical. It's awesome. Nothing more really to say other than that. It one, is good. <laughs> one more thing to go out on. You had mentioned a few retros ago, maybe when we were talking summer movies, the drive-in movie theater. Oh, yeah. Talk about a staple mm. of summer. Oh, and you, my They're God. just gone. Do you have any uh, where you're at, Landis? Uh, they're uh, I, not any that I know that are still operational. I mean, I remember I have a few memories of going to some, and I, I know where at least one was near me that would drive by, but it's been closed for a long time. I mean, up where I grew up, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, so I have some fond memories of it, but even that it was a very special thing, you know, when it happened, but absolutely, I mean, are, are there any around you guys? I mean, are, are there still some in existence? Do you know of it? There, there used to be one uh, where I live, and I think it was the week my family moved down there. It closed down, 
It was one of the oh, reasons damn. we chose to live where we lived is because it was so close. I know of like two or three abandoned ones. Yeah, I think God. there might be one operational about two hours from here, but I'm not driving two hours. It's for such it, a know? bummer because it's just such an experience. It's yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, and it's crazy to think or that it went out of uh, popularity. You yeah, know, I don't get it. Like I would. Why jump is on that, that not still awesome? Like wh- you, well, you get, that, you get like, those people that want to go to Marcus, get the reclined seats, oh, the nice yeah. leather seats. But don't you think you could somehow like? Uh, yeah, I guess the watching in your car is a downfall. But I mean, if you could somehow like make an outdoor, like Polaris Amphitheater, maybe cover it, but you're still outdoors. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just well, feel like I, the, I, was, I feel like I'm seeing a lot more, more often. I mean, more frequency every year. Outdoor video screenings in public parks, and that all the fa- you know families will show up and they yes. screen, screen yeah. projected, and that definitely I don't remember ever happening when I was you know a child anywhere, and so. I mean, I think maybe they're able. People, some people are able to do it on a smaller scale with their own, you know, with just a projector they buy, you know, at the well or on Amazon or wherever they buy a projector from. Right, and they're really inexpensive. Those projectors now. Yeah. I mean, if you're like getting like a professional yeah. one for like slideshows, those are really expensive. But yeah, like if you're a, willing to invest, though, I mean, right. But I remember at Kohl's a few Christmases ago, they had them for like a hundred bucks yeah. a piece. Now I don't think they were probably the best. Whoa. Right. Uh, projector. I don't think, I think the return rate was pretty high on them, but um, <laughs> nonetheless, it's getting more hmm. affordable and it just, it's surprising that new life hasn't been breathed into, uh, I guess it has, you know, in the, in the aspect you're, right. you're mentioning Landis, but I mean, on a much bigger scale, like you don't think I would be, I'm surprised AMC hasn't somehow sure. brought the outdoor experience. Oh, yeah. Because it would be cool if they did. God, there's just nothing like, you know, opening the hatch on a big SUV, whole family's yeah. piled in, you bring your own food and drinks, and uh, my mom would make pizza, and it'd be super cool. Yeah. And now it's nothing. It's gone. I remember the, one of the last movies I saw at a drive-in was, uh, oh no, the last one I saw at a drive-in was X3, The Last Stand, or whatever the actual title is. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before that... Didn't you say Batman and Robin was another yeah, one? Yeah, that was one the of the drive-in? most memorable. <laughs> which was Something about seeing that at the drive-in made it so much more watchable, and I was young at the time. Oh, I get it. You know, I get it. But oh, That was fun. I remember my last drive-in. Uh, it was a double feature with uh, Gone Fishing, Danny Clover and Joe Pesci. <laughs> Oh my God. Followed by a Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion with uh, Lisa Kudrow in the height of Friends popularity. Yeah. The fun that night didn't come from the movie. Oh. Uh-oh. It's getting hot in here. Oh, no, not like that. I wasn't there with the girl or nothing. I was just there with some buddies. We just dicked off around the place and didn't watch the movie. Whoa, it's getting hot in here. All right, with that. (laughs) One more implement of summer fun. A summer t-shirt. Oh, yeah. I mean, is it even summer before you bring out you the summer You have tees? to get a new t-shirt to truly ring in summer. That fresh new feel against your skin. It's a tradition. As the sun's beating down on you as you're heading to the pool. Sunlight glistening off your Candair logo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just about now, Landis is going, what the hell's happening? I'll tell you what's happening, Landis. We're getting you and our listeners into one of these summer t-shirts. A Candair t-shirt at society6.com forward slash Candair. Because we give back to the community that keeps us afloat. It's the kind of people we are. You're welcome. We're champions. We want to dress you and we want you to look good. That's it. 
I mean, what more is there? <laughs> Wet t-shirt contest t-shirt. coming up. Get a white Candad t-shirt. Perfect. You go into a t-shirt, wet t-shirt contest, maybe don't want to get soaked, get a black Get a black, yeah, there you go. See? Lose the contest, but you still get to participate. There you go. You know, it's not about whether you win or lose. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. about the camaraderie. Exactly. <laughs> I think you can even order a tanned colored candy or t-shirt. There's so many different colors to choose from. Oh man, just a, a full tan spectrum of color. Playing beach volleyball, wearing your tan candy or shirt, you dive into the sand no one would ever know. I recommend the uh, charcoal gray though cuz it's a really sharp color and for All some reason joking aside, yes, this yeah. is a very serious note. If you are going to order a black t-shirt, order the charcoal gray. Because it, it's a much better quality T-shirt. The print on it is much better. The straight up black, for some reason, like yeah, it just chips off. It's like that yeah. hot topic kind of like yeah, that was what and I it's shredded by yeah. your studded belt because your parents didn't understand. Someone's on the stuff. Gotta get a hot topic. But seriously, someone out Man, there has to be turn. able to relate to that with the belt always shredded the shirt around oh, the yeah, edges. Yeah, yeah. Come on, they sold them together. You'd think someone at corporate would be like, "Hey guys, let's give them a break here." Yeah. Candare isn't going to do that to you. Society 6 isn't going to do that to you. You know why? Because we care about you. That's right. We, and look, I know I said I wasn't ready for this kind of commitment. We love you. We do. You're our special guys. (laughs) (laughs) Proud of you. Society6.com forward slash Candare pod. Go get some of that moich. All right, let's swing open the door to the comic vault. Jake, do you want to kick us off with your I shitty comic there? Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's the thing. It's a shame because it's a it's a good comic. I liked it, but I picked it up and it's the third in a series of like five. I thought it was the first. This one's on me. I have done this how many times before? Is there no like introduction, like catching well, you it, up? All, to that all point? it says, it, no, actually, it just jumped right into a sneaker falling out of a magic portal somewhere in Paris. So riddle me that, Batman. I have no idea. I got nothing. Yeah. And it doesn't indicate that anywhere on the front. It says, the Hellblazer, DC Universe Rebirth, on top, the smokeless fire. Not the smokeless fire part three, which it is. Tricky best. I know, right? So they got me. You got my $5, DC. Good for you. That was five bucks. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, it was a local comic shop. Mm. Continue. Yeah. May I? Uh, do I? Do I have Jesus your permission? To, do we want to talk whoa, about the price whoa, a little whoa, more? Whoa, whoa, All right. Whoa. So anyway, after I was so rudely interrupted, um, the art style isn't um, groundbreaking or anything. It's sharp. It's it's pretty clean. Uh, it's I'd call it serviceable, but the story's fun. You know, <laughs> I don't want to sound like an asshole, but it, you know, it gets it done. <laughs> Um, Constantine's a great character. He's snarky. He smokes like a chimney. He's got that great trench coat. You know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Hellblazer series. And I remember being, God, trapped at my buddy's magic convention in Reno. I don't play magic. I'm not interested in playing magic. But I was there for four and a half hours. But thank God it was in a comic shop because I blew through, like, as much of Hellblazer as they had on the shelf. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so I had high expectations for this. It's, it's It didn't blow me away, but it was fun. I think uh, if I had been more aware of the plot, I think it would have left a lasting impression. But It's really crappy that they don't give you a leg in. It's and a shame, I, yeah. yeah. Like, I can't think of... Which books I'm reading, I'm pretty sure that Turtles do it, but if you're just jumping in, there's about a paragraph that catches sure, and, you up. and that would have been totally fine. I would have felt mm-hmm. just fine about this, but this was really, I mean, they threw me right in the deep end. Uh, near as I can tell, Hellblazer and some sultry female companion are chasing a uh-huh. girl named 
Misabel, Mirabel, Misabel. I don't know. They're in France. I'm not. I assume in French it's pronounced like, and that's it. And you have to like yawn off the second half of the word. But uh, they're looking for some old journal. They're being pursued. They think they found the journal. Uh, but they didn't. It was a decoy planted by this book owner who's in cahoots with someone who appears, for all intents and purposes, to be Lucifer himself, uh, who's speaking to this British parliament official, some some politician, who I guess has all of Britain in his pocket, including the prime minister, and he's talking about how, uh, you know, he's, he's got this long analogy. He's like, why don't the trains run on time? Because I don't want them to. Because then people will realize there's other problems they need to be thinking about. It's got to be a pretty big you know. pocket. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's an asshole. And then later on, he's approached <laughs> by this, uh, this Luciferan figure who has an angel who's been beaten to shit shackled up, drags him into the room, throws this politician a pair of bolt cutters, and says, prove your loyalty to me. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so oh. He mutilates this angel with bolt cutters. He's like, start with wow. the wings. You know, it's, it's really gruesome. And everything else is just vague, subtle allusions to what's happening in the story, which I cannot make sense of, because I'm not aware of the story. But I do know this angel has seen better days. I would say so. Yeah, it's rough. You know, as popular as Constantine is, I know nothing about it. It's nothing. I don't know. I, I almost wonder if that's kind of the point. It's like it's 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 hard to get a read on any one constant in the setting. Things are always. But I mean, like I've never like seen the show. Or oh, anything. I see. What like you're I don't saying. like. Okay. I need to get on. No, I've never watched this. the Everybody show. Everybody says it's uh, it's good, really good. I'll need to check it out. Well, but I mean, yeah. I mean, not just the show, just. Oh, sure. The universe yeah. in general. Yeah, I mean, go yeah. back and read as much material as you can find, because I've loved it. But, uh, you know, it, it was fun. It was cool. I just wish I knew what was going on. That's my right. fault, not the writer's fault. So it's okay, Oliver, Fabry, Martin, Kessel, and Straken. You <laughs> well, guys did all right. forgive you if you buy a T-shirt. Yeah, this one's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lordy. All right, very good, very good. Remember that voice you did. I like that voice you just used. Like the British guy? Yeah, remember that. We have to realize that in the future. We have to realize that in the future. Oh, I'm from London town. There it is. Yeah, 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 that one. All right, cool. Uh, Landis, would you like to go next? Sure. I I chose... a, a book that was a, a favorite of mine a few years ago, and I just recently read, reread it. It's, uh, it's Pinocchio, but by uh, it's a French uh, a French comic artist named Win- Winchless. Uh, I don't, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but uh, it's basically a retelling of Pinocchio, but it's extremely dark and. Uh, it's not it's not the Pinocchio story that you that you are familiar with uh, right. at, at all. And uh, what, what's so great about it, when, whenever I flip through this and when I recently reread it too, is just uh, it's exceptional storytelling and it's almost all done silently. I mean, there's there's certain parts that have text in it, but the the majority of the book is done just with. Uh, with the imagery and um, in, in creative ways of showing, you know, what people are doing, but also very crude ways of, you know, just kind of little, you know, crude thought bubbles that show what the character's thinking. And it, there, there's there's so many intricacies in the story that you know, of different paths of characters that weave and wind, and, uh, and and most of them are, you know, very very dark, you know, in, you know, 
you know, murder and rape and uh, you know child enslavement. I mean, it goes on and on and on. But the, the 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 one difference is instead of Pinocchio being a wooden boy that's you know crafted by uh, a toy maker, Geppetto, Geppetto is a uh, is an inventor and he invents this little robot named Pinocchio. And he's trying to sell it off to the government as a uh, you know some kind of weapon of mass destruction and. Things do not go well, and Pinocchio, you know, gets away from him. And Pinocchio just kind of, because he's a robot, he just has this bland face throughout the whole book, and he interacts with all these different characters that are doing these horrible things, and uh, and yet Pinocchio just kind of is this constant that goes through the whole book as all these characters are kind of just <laughs> are, are falling into devastation after devastation, and uh, what what is so remarkable about it too is that it ends up because it's so dark that the few storylines with characters that are positive, there's probably about, I'd say, you know, out of a cast of characters, of, of main characters, about maybe like 25, you know, maybe three of them are good, and of those three, two have a positive outcome kind of thing. And But what's so amazing is that when you get to these, every once in a while, these moments of good that happen to these these few characters, it's this overwhelming surge where it almost makes you tear up because there's, <laughs> it's it's so in contrast to everything else that's been happening, um, and it's it's uh, it's done in this kind of really quick, um, you know, kind of messy ink you know line work, but then it, uh, it's colored. It, uh, it looks like a pulp comic, you know, with like the four four color dots, and so it's 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 got this very visceral quality while you're reading through it. Sure. Um, and then, then in between all these sections that are are mostly silent, then you have instead of Jiminy Cricket, you have Jiminy Cockroach, who's living <laughs> inside of Pinocchio's head, and so he he's still acting as the conscious because he's still his story is completely different than Pinocchio's, but he still ultimately kind of sways Pinocchio to do things because he's living in his head. You know, he has his TV set up and, you know, he's, you know, getting wasted up in Pinocchio's head and doing things, you know, with the wiring. And anyway, uh, it's a uh, very, very good read. But, um, yeah, that's so. It's been so many years since I've seen, read anything of Pinocchio. I remember as a child, like, being scared by parts of that movie, and I don't remember which parts. Maybe the donkeys, like, where they're turning... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't the, uh, like, the original Pinocchio have some dark darkness in it? It does, yeah. I mean, I mean I've not read the, you know, the original story that the Disney movie was based on, but, but yeah, the, I mean, from what I remember, too, about, you know, there was elements of that, you know, that movie that were you know, pretty disturbing, um, you know, from right. just kind of uh, you know comparing to other you know animated films at the time. Sure. So I mean, so, so I, I so I guess this is kind of playing up on that um, to an, an even greater degree. But yeah, I need to look into it because I swear, like the original original like story, like long before the Disney movie ever came along, had some dark. Yeah, yeah. The original story was really it. dark. I mean, not so dark as rape or anything like no. that. Other one, there's nothing like that. There was a lot of death in it. We had to I read feel it like for there was some kind of did you? Yeah, we had to read it for. Well, we read it in German. That sounds familiar too. Do you remember anything in particular? No, I just remember there was a lot of like dead people. 
Was there? Yeah, it's just a lot of, like, death in general. Just like real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. That sounds very cool, though. I've, I've uh, yeah. always been fascinated by the... I'm absolutely going to have to check that. Yeah. The title, once more, if you don't mind, is it it's uh, just... Uh, it's just Pinocchio, just but I'll Pinocchio. spell okay. the, the guy's name, uh, which is Win- Winsless, but it's W-I-N-S-H-L-U-S-S. Okay. Awesome, and I think that's his. I think that's his uh, pseudonym for, for. I don't know what his real name is, but that's at least what he signs his work on. So, or work as. Yeah, I definitely need to check that out because yeah, it does sound neat. Right up your alley. Oh yeah, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> Robots, terrible people. That's me. <laughs> very good. Very good. Pinocchio. Okay, well, I've got, um, like I said, beginning of the episode, a comic called The Mask, The Hunt for Green October. And this is The Mask based off the, uh, what, 94 Jim Carrey movie. Yeah, yeah. And again, when I say that, you uh, take on a very lighthearted kind of, oh, this is going to be good for a laugh. So um, this is just issue one of four. And I think this obviously probably came out right in the time. This is 95, so I think this was like within the year the movie came out. Uh, written by uh, Evan Dorkin, and the artist was Peter Gross. And both of these guys are still very active in the uh, comic community. And I don't remember what they do, but they've done some pretty nameable stuff, noteworthy stuff. Uh, this begins. It shows like a uh, an Amazon jungle. And you see like tribes people dancing around, like chanting and stuff. They are wearing a green mask, but not the mask we right. know and love. That mask, or so it would appear, is on a pike above a bunch of skulls. <laughs> and one of the tribesmen holds a piglet, slits him from throat to groin, and just lets it bleed out over the skull as part of this ritual. Like, this is page one. Right. <laughs> dark <laughs> shit. Right off the rip here. <laughs> and as this is happening, as they're chanting, two gunshots go off, and there's this commando force who's been searching for the mask. And so as they start to, they just start blowing away the tribe's people. As you do. Yeah. And as they're doing that, these ninjas come in, who I guess are also after after the mask. (laughs) So there's just some big fight scene ensuing around. And the the head of the commandos grabs the mask and says, you know, let this be the one. Let this be the one. And he puts it on his face and you can see it start to do something. But his eyes get sucked out. Through the through the <laughs> eye openings, oh, and it just totally crushes his skull, and he falls dead. And oh one of the God. other commando guys goes, "Well, that must not have been the right one." <laughs> the search goes on. What? Yeah. Now, are you uh, expecting anything uh, from uh, the Jim Carrey the Mask? No, yeah, crap. this is some no. weird shit. Right? Comedy gold. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it cuts to um, a little like five and dime like secondhand thrift shop where there's a guy working who is. The the star of our show, but who is not the Jim Carrey character? What was that? Ed Ipkiss? Ipkiss, Stanley Ipkiss. Stanley Ipkiss. Thank I don't you. know why I remember that. I can't remember I algebra, remember the but I remember name. Stanley Ipkiss. <laughs> um, but it's some other character who is the uh, who operates the store, and some old woman's bringing in a box of junk, trying to sell it for some money for groceries. Because I really don't have the money to spare on junk, but I'll tell you what, I'll give you six bucks for that weird looking mask in there. Yeah. So he takes it. He takes it home. He thinks that maybe uh, it'll get his daughter, who hasn't spoken a word since uh, his wife and her mother died. Good God. 
Yeah, some heavy shit, right? Whoa. <laughs> and so um, he goes home and he starts looking through the paper and seeing that the city's first casino is set to open. It's set to open by... Uh, I can't remember the fella's name, and I really don't even know if they actually say it in here, because, again, it's part one of four, so there's a lot more sure. details to come. Um, but he is, like, loved by the city, kind of runs the city, but is secretly, like, a shady dude. Sure. Kind of like the kingpin. Yeah. And this guy's sitting here, you know, reading the paper, getting disgruntled by it, because this guy somehow is responsible for his wife's death. And, you know, responsible for all the problems in his life, why he hasn't been able to talk to his daughter. And so he goes off one night, and his daughter just goes away, goes to bed. And sitting there, he's just like, "Ah, what am I going to do tonight other than feel sorry for myself? Uh, Trick or treat, let's try this stupid thing on. Puts the mask on, and then we get the mask we know and love. He turns into the Jim Carrey, very animated character-looking thing. And hops out the window, and I'm not going to get into all of the different little cartoony things he does, because you can only imagine. Sure. But uh, in a nutshell, he goes down to the main offices of this guy that he was just bitching about, seeing who's opening his casino, and raises some hell, causes some uh, problems. And uh, he wakes up the next morning on the couch, like, wow, what a weird dream, (laughs) you know, that whole bullshit scenario. To look over to see his little girl watching the TV. The news is on, and they're talking about the green, big-headed guy who took the town last night. He's like, oh, my God, it's me. Oh, my God, they're going to come for me. There's like a picture of him flipping the camera guy off in the mask. It was funny. But he looks down and sees his daughter smiling. First time he's seen her smile since his wife's dead. So he's like, I'm going to keep wearing this mask. It cuts to a, uh, a uh, lieutenant on his way to Chicago to investigate, too. So, not what I was expecting at all. uh, And I gotta say, you know, I was pleasantly surprised, because I didn't want the typical Jim Carrey crap. This was kind of fun. This was a lot of fun. So, I don't remember if I have the other ones. I'll have to dig around and look and see if I do. But uh, if so, I'll I'll bring it. Awesome. Cool. I'd like to have a look through that, yeah. Yeah. Knock yourself out. I'm done. That was on Dark Horse Comics. (laughs) All right. Well, with that behind us, let's just turn our full attention over to Landis Blair and talk about some of these amazing books you sent our way. Thanks again for being with us and for sending them our way. Thanks again for having me. I'm glad to be here. Okay. So uh, we've all three read these books, and we all three love them. There's no doubt about it. I think we've all pretty much come to the same conclusion on that. Absolutely. But just what I loved about it, because I wanted us to all read them like... uh, right before we got on the show that way it was fresh in our heads and the reaction that swept over us as we were reading them was really cool kind of like that little bit of an M. Night twist there (laughs) didn't see that coming but I like it you know I like there was a moment where we were all like silently reading and almost in sequence we were like huh oh (laughs) (laughs) but these uh, are awesome books and they are beautiful books to boot the line work in them just fantastic. Oh, yeah. So um, I don't want to give too much away. I'll let you describe the books to the audience before we go on. My, my kind of tor- storytelling, or should say what I feel most drawn to is, is I guess you could say kind of more um, almost adult picture book, which sounds 
very racy. That's not <laughs> what, what I mean, but, but more along the lines of because uh, Edward Gorey is 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 my absolute hero, and I read and reread his books. And um, so, so if anyone's familiar with his work, it's it's very much that kind of storytelling that I feel most drawn to, where it's. Uh, it, it's, it's not, uh, you know, you're not looking at comic panels where action is taking place. You know, most of the time, you know, the page itself, it, it's, it's kind of, it's more, you know, photographs of a single place in time. And, and there's then one, usually one line of minimal text. And, and I love the idea of um, the, the interplay that you create by having one, you know, one single line of text with, with an image and, each provides something that the other doesn't have. And so, yes, you could read the text by itself, or you could look at the pictures by themselves and still get some form of a story, but once you put them together, all of a sudden something new is created and there's there's almost a tension between the two. And that tension, at least for me, is what heightens uh, moments of storytelling. And so um, so these books you're, you're talking about, they're, uh, it's very much kind of, um, it's, it's spaced out. Uh, very intentionally, and so I, I find you know, it's best you know, having a blank page. I mean, I, mean, I don't. Some of my earlier books I used to do, I used to even have you know the text on, on kind of the left page, which was white, and there was just the text and the image. But even that kind of provides some distraction, whereas you have to look left and look right. And there's something really nice about that pause of the page and that the power of the page turn that. Um, you can completely change the story just with that one page turn and all of a sudden all of the implications that you've set up you know have been completely changed and so that's kind of at least the examples that I that I sent you I think that that's that's kind of you know my best synopsis of at least the kind of storytelling does that does that make sense sir no absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely and I was going to mention um, you know the the very strong Edward Gorey vibe, but I was like I was hesitant because I'm like, uh, what if it's one of those things where he like reveres this artist, but he's so tired of being told that you know it's like oh it reminds oh, me no. of this. You know? no. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad yeah, to hear it because yeah, it, I, I never get tired of people. You know, I mean, when at comic conventions coming up and saying, oh, do you know do you know Edward Gorey's work? And I mean that that never that never gets old to me just because it's. Yeah, yeah. Just just to be said in the same sentence as him, because there's, I'm nowhere close to what he's, you know, he, he accomplished and what he did, and uh, and yet it's it it means a lot to me when people at least recognize the um, the connection. So I'm glad to hear you say that because I was going to say I, I see these you know very Gorian, if that's a word, um, <laughs> yeah. styles and influences, but it's it it captures these elements of things that I love about Edward Gorey without being too samey or, or too much of like a uh, like a carbon copy of that style. It, it feels very much your mm. own, but it, it calls to mind, and I so I was just really excited to oh, read. Thank it. you. Yeah. Um, these books, the the art style mixed with the format that it's brought to you in is also very reminiscent of a silent film. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That's got to be another yeah. one of the reasons I love it so much because I'm just hooked on that whole thing. And I yes. love that. I love that so much. Uh, another big draw for me. And uh, in the Envious Sisters story, the rhyme scheme you had going <laughs> along with the artwork then in turn made me think of uh, where the sidewalk ends, the, the Silverstein books. Oh, my word. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, yeah, there was so many good... Uh, how do I say it? So many good things happened in, in my mind. Like so yeah, many yeah. <laughs> neurons were firing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I, I mean, I owned a, a copy of Where the Sidewalk Ends, you know, that's you know, someone had given me and they had sewn like a, like this really goofy camouflage cloth cover, like to, to like as a book cover to keep it safe. And they gave it to me as a birthday present. And it was, I mean, it, it sounds really cheesy and yet it was something, you know, that I treasured and, you know, right. you know and so, yeah, so, I mean, I definitely read, uh, read his stuff frequently also. So, I mean, that. Yeah. The very first panel of that one book where it's, I don't remember the girl's names, but uh, she was envious of her hair, so she took her hair. And it immediately made me think of the poem. I don't remember if you guys remember it from one of those books. Uh, The guy whose beard grew to his toes and he never wore no (laughs) clothes. He just wrapped his hair around his bear and off to town he goes. (laughs) You remember? Yeah, yeah, that's the... (laughs) And it's, yes, the old man... You don't see his arms. You just see him running, and he's wrapped in <laughs> hair, <laughs> a face, a beard, and feet. <laughs> yeah. Those were such good books. Like today, like I would give them to my children today oh, and sure. just let them eat it up because they would love it. But uh, yeah. anyway, I'm sorry I didn't mean to sidetrack the uh, conversation. Oh, so yeah, um, there's, it's it's so great about his stuff too, is because uh, I mean he. I would say he's definitely in the same vein as as Gory, and he gets more of a pass than Gory does. I mean, because I think that it's definitely dark, and yet um, it's it's kind of given a pass because it's done in a more flippant sort of way. Sure. Um, as opposed to Gory, I mean, I mean, definitely people are there's plenty of fans of Gory, but um, there's also at least in the you know circles I I grew up in, you know, disapproval. It's much more, it's much easier to disapprove of Gory on certain, uh, I think, moral grounds than it is. Right. For, <laughs> so, yeah, that's very true. Never thought of that. So, how many? We saw three of your books. How many do you have yeah. in total then? Um, in that style, there's probably about, oh, I'd say about seven or eight. Actually, I just finished one and sent one off to the printer last night at about like just before midnight. So, but but um, that, that's not where I mean. So, so I do these on my own for fun, just because this is kind of, as, as I said, what I'm most drawn to storytelling wise. But it's not where I. That's not all the work that I do. Um, I mean, I mean, I, I I'm excited to say, and I can't say too many details uh, just yet. But I, I was just asked to do a whole. Uh, book of morbid nursery rhymes and the oh. that envious siblings book is going to be in there and they they want uh, a whole collection in that style and so that's my next big project that i'm uh, working on now or well, i'm sorry just transitioning into working on um but the, the other kind of work that uh that people may, may have seen that i spent several years uh illustrating a graphic novel that's coming out later this year and that that's actual you know, comic panels and pages, and um, that was a completely new experience for me. Yeah, and I, there's it's full of full of flaws that you know, as far as uh, I can tell. But at the same time, it was a very good um, a good time to kind of practice and to to you know to, to figure out kind of I should say I guess to challenge myself and to um, do something I would never have done on my own. And the, the result has been, uh, has been extremely rewarding because it's, it's put me, um, in touch with a number of other, you know, creatives that have kind of helped me along and, um, you know, given me a different perspective on, on what I'm doing. So, right. I can't wait to see it. 
whatever form it takes. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Sign me up. That sounds awesome. <laughs> now, you had just mentioned, I was going to ask uh, what format these books were available in, but you said you would send it off to print. Do they Are they like hardcover books? Or are they... Oh, they're just kind of like little, um, just little minis. I mean, they're basically a little saddle stitch with kind of, a hard, you know, uh, uh, like a textured paper cover. I mean, they're, they're the, the three that I sent you, they're about like five and a half inches by five and a half inches. So they're a small oh, okay. kind of um, little small format thing. So it's not, uh, the, the, when I started doing them about five years ago, they, they were, I was doing kind of like 10 inch squared and that's, uh, it's it's a little too big, I found, um, and so uh, I've I've resorted to doing them smaller, but with better quality paper and better printing. Sure. And I've been extremely happy with the with the result on them. So that sounds awesome. It sounds like it's going to be presented in an awesome format. But to be in like a hard cover with like a spine on the bookshelf, there's something I would special. So yeah, put that. this on my bookshelf. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, thank you. It's 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 beautiful. It's definitely a work of art. So uh, thank you for letting us look at it again. Uh, the pleasure oh, is definitely ours. Um, there's something else that I saw on your Twitter. I don't know if you're able to talk about or not. Yeah. Uh, something you were part of, The Hunting Accent, A True Story of Crime and Poetry. Can you tell us anything yes. about that? I can. I definitely can. And that's that's the graphic novel that I, I mean, uh, that I just alluded to. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh no no that's fine no that that's that's uh, you did a much better job of selling it than, than <laughs> I did. <laughs> did, you, had, did you already uh, say the title and then I said it again? No no see that's the thing I'm I'm so bad at this I yeah I didn't I didn't even I didn't say the title so that's that's okay yeah, so the hunting accident is the uh, that's the graphic novel I illustrated and it's being put out by uh, first second in September um, so that'll be uh, well. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, so, so that's you know, a few months now. But uh, it's it's something that I I worked on for about two and a half to three years full time, and then there's been you know edits and things going on. But uh, you're working pretty closely with the writer and um, going back and forth. And uh, but but it's that that graphic novel. It's it or the hunting accent is based on a true uh, true Chicago crime story from. The 1930s, and it's uh, it takes place mostly in a prison cell, uh, and it's uh, about a Chicago mobster who's uh, who's blinded in a robbery attempt. The the owner of the store had a shotgun, and he this uh, this robber had gotten hit in the face with uh, with buckshot, and he went blind. And right after he went blind, he got sentenced to prison, and so he's a newly blind you know young man. I think he was oh, 20 man. or 21. And he gets sent to prison, um, and lo and behold, this is a prison in the western suburbs of Chicago, uh, and it's it's famous for being. I don't know if you know um, the the Panopticon design, Jeremy Bentham, where a prison is in the round. So the idea is that there's one watchtower in the center. Oh yes, and yes. Guard see every cell, and so so this this prison outside of Chicago had. Uh, a number of these roundhouses, and so he got sent into that prison, and he ended up. They didn't know what to do with him. They never had a blind prisoner before, and so they stuck him in a, a cell with uh, this notorious <laughs> murderer from Chicago. But, um, I don't know if you've heard of the Leopold and Loeb story, but there, it's a. It was called the crime of the century in the twenties. But there was these two rich um, uh, university students 
um, in Chicago in the 20s that ended up kidnapping and murdering another rich kid just for the fun of it. That was the only reason. Uh, they, were, they were misreading Nietzsche and, and they ended up getting caught and it was this massive trial and they, uh, anyway, so he ends up being a cellmate with one of these, uh, <laughs> with one of these killers and the remarkable remarkable part about the story, so this is what the whole graphic novel is centered on, is the interaction between this, this murderer and this recently blind prisoner who has no reason to live because he's blind and then, you know, in prison he wants to commit suicide. And so this criminal ends up, famous criminal, ends up uh, uh, learning himself how to read Braille so that he can teach this blind guy how to read Braille and then starts instructing him in the classics and has, has him read Dante's Inferno and basically gives this blind prisoner a reason to live. And the blind prisoner ends up getting out of prison and, you know, leads a, you know, you know, uh, successful life and has a has a son and so the story it's, it's kind of a father son story but most of it takes place in this prison cell with this uh, this famous murderer. That is incredible, and this is this is a true story. It is. I mean, it's it's based on a true story. I mean, the 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 son of the blind prisoner is still alive, and so that's where this story ultimately came from and so it is true we know that he was in prison in this you know in the same cell as as nathan leopold and that uh that nathan leopold ended up helping him learn how to read braille and gave him you know instruction in the classics and gave him a reason to live but they don't know at all what you know the conversations they had in the cell were so so a lot of that is you know speculative but it's all based around these true true events that happen so that sounds incredible I, i've been sitting here yeah. trying to think of the right thing to say about this yeah. but i'm just i'm just like hanging <laughs> on his words here like yeah. i know what to say landis <laughs> when this is released shoot us an yeah. email because okay we, we want yeah. I, I know i do i've got to uh, read that very much like amazing. to share yeah, this that sounds awesome people. oh well thank you that makes that means a means a lot to me i, I will definitely I can't let you think know of how many times i sit here and go yeah i'm going to check it out i'm going no, to check it out the real deal <laughs> this time <laughs> i'm going to check it out so please let us know and that you know all of that amazing. sounds amazing but if you don't mind i'd like to talk a little bit about the hunting accident uh, a true story mm. of poetry and crime what's that all about well, well, that's the story I was just... I'm, I'm sorry, I was making a joke. Okay. Oh, okay. You just... I am sorry, my everybody. Mind I, tizzy. I was like, that's what I was just talking about. Was yeah, I no, just talking about was, something else? Because he was talking about it, and then you brought up the title. The look on your face was oh, like what a dead serious. Misfire. I had no Ooh. idea. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, it is up for pre-order on Amazon. Um, so, you, I mean, so you can... It's... You can... Uh, I mean, if you don't want to think about it, yeah. If you want to think about yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. You get it. It's on sale for like thirty percent off or something like that. Can't beat uh, that. Well, because yeah, I'm time. about that. Okay, so, but we'll be doing that. Comes out in September. So you said September. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Now you, I haven't wasn't able to find much of a web presence for you. Do you have a website for people to go to and check this stuff out, or is it just pretty much just checking out your like Amazon store? Or? Oh no no yeah it's uh, my my website is just uh, landisblair.com and it has uh, has a number of the pages from the graphic novel uh, on there. I mean it doesn't have the the text on the pages, but it just has there's probably about twenty five pages with the illustrations. And then there's also a number of uh, of the little books that you were talking about earlier that you can you can just read the whole story 
online. Wow. You just kind of flip through the pages. Right. Um, but then also, uh, I'm not, you know, you mentioned Twitter. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. It just Landis Blaird. So. Awesome. Of the places I was looking, it's beyond me why I never thought just to try LandisBlair.com. <laughs> <Just> the- <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how the obvious can just oh, elude sure, you yeah. sometimes, you know? <laughs> My God, <laughs> we're so used to guests being like, "Oh, hi, my, my name's Eddie Smith. My handle is at Lord of Flames and Skulls 2000." You know, it's like, <laughs> you just never know. It's true. It's true. This is much better. I think much <laughs> yeah. more to the point. Well, Landis, I want to thank well, you so much for taking time to be with us today. This has been a hell of a lot of fun. Absolutely, it's been incredible, oh, and I'd like to apologize yes. again for that total dud of a joke I attempted. No, to no, no. I think. Uh, <laughs> That's, uh, I'm, I'm gullible. That's something uh, I, I, I that, so. That's awesome. I just, you had such a kindly, like, sympathetic reaction to that. I just felt like such a piece of shit immediately. <laughs> you sent me into, like, a tizzy. Dude. I was like, oh, my God, I've been talking about the wrong thing. I've been talking about the wrong thing. Oh, no. Uh, you set a nuke off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I really tanked this episode. Oh, you you're good, Jake. This has been a great episode. It really happy has. with it. Uh, so thank you again for being with us today, Landon. Oh, thank you so much for asking me. Jake, what do we have on the website? Well, guys, uh, if you're a fan of the show and the stuff we do, you might consider checking out the website, candairpodcast.com. Check out our special guest page, which we're very proud of. It just keeps growing. Yeah, you know, it does. More, uh, more feathers in our cap, so mm-hmm. to speak, if people still use that expression. I use it. Good. All right. I'll Thanks for backing me yeah, up. I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. um, if you want to get in contact with us, wow, we've got a contacts page. That's convenient. Uh, we've got links to our merch society6.com slash Podcast. Check out our YouTube channel when that starts getting big, because one of these days, it will. You'll see, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the stuff we put up gets good downloads. I saw the original-ish stuff. I guess oh, the sure. stuff we shoot. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like we put that <laughs> yeah. show on or anything. But, uh, yeah, we're going to be putting up uh, a lot of videos over the summer here, hopefully. It's going to be so. fun. They're just a slow trickling onto yeah, YouTube, but uh, it'll enjoy them. You know, it'll pick we'll up. be letting you guys know. And until then, check us out on Twitter at CandarePod and Instagram at Aunt Can or er, <clears throat> Ham. At, I was coughing <laughs> but trying to suppress it. Check us out on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. There it is. Yeah, there I did it, is, it guys. And uh, next week, we're, Kyle is going to be once again returning Heck to yeah. join us. Thanks for being with us today, Kyle. No problem. According to our a lot of fun. prior arrangement. Oh, oh his last prior. Oh, oh, hey. oh, my mind's about New to dimension of humor. Yeah. Oh, man. And next week, we are also going to be reviewing the uh, the five episodes of Neon Joe Ooh. Werewolf Hunter that premiered on uh, Adult Swim. So exciting. 22nd through the 26th at midnight. Now, by the time you're hearing this episode, if you're listening to it when it just posted, you've got maybe one more night to check out the last <laughs> yeah. episode. We record on Monday nights, so it's just starting tonight. But yeah, next week's episode, we're going to be uh, reviewing it from front to back. It's absurd and abrasive and totally worth it, and I love it. One word. Yeah. A word that will echo through the holes of history. (laughs) And if you don't know what we're talking about, then check out Neon Joe, Werewolf Hunter. You soon will. So, until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Hyunt. I'm Kyle. And I'm Landis Blair. Thanks for Hyunting, everyone.
Dad! Dad! Oh no, I can't find my dad! Hang on there, little Jimmy! Hey, it's Alpine! While you're waiting on your negligent parents to find you, why don't you pull out your mobile device and get on CandarePodcast.com? Shoot, it may even help him find you. Well, that makes no sense. Hey, what are you doing near my son? Time to split. G.I. Joe! Nothing good but rebirth. Uh, or Nothing good has come from... God damn it. Yeah. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.